Hello and welcome to Infinite Machine Learning. This is your host Pratik Joshi. This is the part of the show where I talk about ideas and concepts in AI. You can use them to build startups, grow your career, or just develop a better understanding of how AI works. Today, we're going to talk about a very interesting paper I came across, and it's about how language models represent space and time or rather how they learn to represent space and time given a specific data set. And uh, the, the paper was published by Wes Gurney and Max Tegmark. I've included the link in the show notes. But uh, it's just fascinating to see how they discovered and uncovered this, this interesting thing. Large language models are AI models that can generate and understand text. Right? And they've taken the world by storm, you know, ChatGPT being the most famous example, but large language models are being used everywhere. They're penetrating all the different verticals. And these models are trained on massive data sets of text and code and many forms of data, depending on what you're doing. And, and so they learn to represent a wide range of knowledge and facts, common sense, and, and even creative fiction. Now, the next question is, can they learn about physical realities, right? If we supply it, supply a data set of geography and, and temporal events, can this large language model learn to represent space and time? And to do this, Wes Gurney and Max Tegmark, they conducted a study to investigate if LLMs can, in fact, learn to represent space and time. And what they found is that LLMs can indeed learn uh, representations of space and time across multiple scales, and that these representations are robust to prompting variations and unified across different entity types. The authors also identified individual neurons that reliably encode spatial and temporal coordinates. There are two main ideas here. Some people think these models just pick up patterns and don't really understand the data they're trained on. Others believe that these models create a world model, meaning they make a, a clear, simplified version of the real-world information they learn. And some evidence suggests that they might learn things like game rules or recognize patterns and subjects and colors. Now, understanding how these models see the world is essential because it helps us make AI better and safer, and more importantly, I think just knowing how it works uh, will, will enable us to build effective real-world AI applications. And so in this study, the authors wanted to know if these big models make a, a mental map of the world, including when something happened or where exactly it happened. So, so to do this, they tested this by giving the models uh, names of places or events and seeing if the models could figure out the real-world locations or, or when they happen. And uh, checking to see if the model's understanding improved as the models got more complex. And also checking to see if uh, the model's understanding was consistent 
regardless of the kind of data, like for example, cities or natural landmarks. So the results were that these models actually do seem to make a, a kind of mental map, but but they might only understand simple relationships like which places are in which countries, uh, more detailed knowledge like the exact location might be learned by a, a secondary tool right? That, that the researchers used. And it's the secondary tool is called the probe. So, so yeah, so that, that's, uh, that's what they found. And also they found that the specific models uh, or the, the specific parts of the model got activated when thinking about places or times, showing that the model does use this kind of information. Right. So again, net-net, in a sense, the study looks into how advanced LLMs represent and understand information about the world, both spatially and temporally, right? So And so they used various tests to see how these models understand and represent this knowledge. And these findings suggest that LLMs learn structured knowledge about fundamental dimensions such as space and time. And this is really you know, significant because it suggests that LLMs may be able to reason about the world in a more sophisticated way than, than what was previously thought. All right, so let's dive in. Step one, what data sets did they use? Right, so the team made six data sets that have names of things like you know, people and places and events and where they're located and when they happen. And they looked at different types of locations like cities and lakes to see if the model sees them similarly. Uh, they cleaned up the data by removing duplicates and unclear info, no data massaging to make sure it's, it's all on the up and up. The data set about places, which is consisted of the world data set, like names of places worldwide, uh, they focused on uh, populated places, natural places, and structures. And uh, and again, just to make sure that these are actual good, reasonable places, they, they made sure that uh, they included only the ones with a good number of, of Wikipedia views. And... Um, they had a U.S. data set, which consisted of uh, names of places in the United States, and it included cities, counties, colleges, and more. They removed places that weren't popular or were in like low-populated areas. And uh, they included a, a, a New York City data set as well. It is specific data for New York City, and this has information on schools and transport facilities and churches and, and more. And uh, and when it came to data sets about time, they included historical figures, uh, specifically you know, information about you know, important people, prominent figures who lived between 1000 BC and 2080. Uh, they included uh, entertainment events like names and creators of songs, movies and books from 1950 to 2020. And also news, like headlines from the New York Times uh, over, a, over a period of a decade that covered current events. So these are some of the data sets that were used to, to train this model. All right. Now, just a quick note on how they prepared the data. They used Llama 2 to process all this data. Llama 2 is the open source LLM from Meta. 
Uh, it is one of the world's most leading language model series uh, built and open sourced by by Meta. And each name of a place or event was fed into the model. Uh, they kept the model's reactions uh, called activations for every piece of data. And how did they test the model? Uh, they you know, they wanted to see if the model has a sense of uh, space and time. And so to do this, they used a method called probing, which we just talked about. This method checks if the model's reactions can predict a location or time. If the probing test was successful on new you know, unseen data, it means that the base model does have some understanding of space and time. All right, so the next thing, how do we, how did they evaluate the results, right? They used standard ways of measuring success and predictions like R-squared and spearman rank correlation. But again, the goal here is to understand, okay, if we are doing something, we're finding something, how do we make sure that the results are, are comparable and also making sure that there is some valid measure to see if, if this is working. So they also introduced a, a proximity error, a metric for the location data. This helps uh, this helps understand how uh, no, how how far away or how off the prediction was compared to the actual true location. So, for example, a mistake of 500 kilometers would be a big deal if the prediction was about a city on the east coast of U.S. But again, if it's like a giant country, 500 kilometers might not be a big deal. So again, the goal is to understand where the error was made and how bad it was relative to the question at hand. All right. Now that we know what data sets were used, how the data was prepared, let's dive into how did they confirm that the model has a sense of space and time? Again, the, the, they wanted to find out where in the model is this specific piece of understanding, right? Does a, does a bigger model understand this better? And so they, they tested this on, on three different versions of the Llama 2 model, each of different size. And what they found is that, again, the model does have a sense of space and time. And this understanding gets better as you move through the initial layers and then stays consistent. And and bigger models do better than smaller ones. That that's kind of obvious, but it's good to good to verify that. But the model struggled the most with the New York City data set. But the largest model did twice as good as the smaller ones on, on this data set. All right, so how did they check that the the representations are, are linear? There's an idea in, in AI that the features inside a neural net are represented in a linear fashion. Basically, you can figure out the strength of a feature by looking at it in a, in a certain way. And most previous studies looked at like a yes-no features. But the thing about space and time is they are continuous. So they wanted to see if the idea still holds. And what they found is that you know, they compared simple linear methods with more complex ones, and the results were almost the same. What that means is that space and time are linearly represented in the model, right? So again, that's what they wanted to find out. All right, the next is, you know, they wanted to see, they wanted to check 
the model's sensitivity to prompting, which means that they wanted to know if the you know, the way you ask the model something, which is called the prompt, so the way you ask it, does that change its understanding of space and time? And they tried different ways of asking the same question, like, hey, where is this place? Or where was this book released? Right. So and what they found is, is that explicitly asking for the information doesn't change the model's performance. No, not that much anyway. So, but, but if they added random words or changed the way names looked, like using all caps, uh, the model's performance dropped. So interestingly, if they added a, a period at the end of a sentence, the model performed better. Uh, it seems the model uses the period to summarize the sentence's information. And uh, again, what this means is uh, they, they found out that model does have a grasp of uh, of these concepts of space and time, and it, it represents them in a linear manner. And the way you ask the questions to the model also influences the results. Next, they wanted to check for robustness. Now, the researchers, they found that they can determine an event's time uh, or the locations, location place, by looking at how the model reacts. Right? But they, they aren't sure if the model truly understands space and time or if the, the tool they used, which is the probe, uh, you know, it, it is just making sense of simple features that the model recognizes. So imagine the, the model just knows which country a place is in, but not its exact location. Uh, the probe could just guess the center of that country as a location. This means that the model doesn't really understand space, not just countries. So again, they wanted to check for, for, for this, and they trained the probe, the, the secondary tool, uh, while leaving out specific chunks of data, like like a whole country or, or like a, like an entire decade. Uh, and then they tested the probe on the data that it missed. And what they found is that uh, the probe did okay, right? but not perfect. For instance, they, they left out the data about an entire country, and the probe could guess where the places in that country were relative to each other, but it, it couldn't guess their exact locations. This suggests that the probe is adding some knowledge, but the model does understand a bit about time and space. All right, next, they wanted to check if the model understands where cities are, but no, not, not natural landmarks or vice versa, right? So for example, what they did was they trained the probe on one type of place, like cities, and tested it on another type of place, like a landmark, right? So to, to humans, we, uh, we get all these concepts intuitively, right? Cities and uh, areas, landmarks and locations. But for, for, for a model, it's all of this is completely new. The concept itself is completely new. So, so they, did, they did that. And what they found is that the probe did well, suggesting that the model understands space and time, similarly for different types of places or events. All right, next, they wanted to see if they can make this probe simpler and still get good results. So what they did was they reduced the, the probe's complexity and tested how well it could predict space and time. 
And what they found is that when they reduced the probe's complexity, it could still rank predictions correctly, but the exact values, like, like the exact coordinates, they were less accurate. This suggests that the model does have some understanding of space and time, but the probe adds extra precision. They wanted to make, they wanted to ensure that it's the model that understands space and time and not just the probe making smart guesses, right? So they tried out different tests and tweaks to make sure that the results actually hold. All right. So far, they, the researchers, they have evidence that the model might understand space and time, but they haven't proven that the model truly uses this understanding. So how do we check for that? And so what they did was they looked inside the model for individual neurons, which are like, just like how the, the human brain has, has cells, uh, in, a, in a neural net, we have neurons, which are like the smallest like individual blocks. And so when they looked inside the model for those neurons, uh, that, and they looked for neurons that seemed to understand space and time. Specifically, they searched for neurons that had similar patterns to what their tool, which is the probe, had learned. Right? And what they found is they discovered that certain neurons inside the model reacted strongly to where things are in space or when they happened in time. So it's like, it's like finding specific cells in a human brain that light up when thinking about locations or times. And these neurons reacted to all types of data, like cities or events, which suggests that the model's understanding is consistent across different things. Now, okay, why is this important? Even though they expect that this understanding uh, to be spread out across many neurons, finding individual neurons that get it is a strong proof, right? It means that the model genuinely learns about space and time, and it's not just uh, the probe or the secondary tool doing all the work. So they essentially looked deep inside the model's architecture and, and brain and found specific cells that actually get the concepts of space and time. This proves that the model really does understand these concepts, right? which is a, a phenomenal finding. And uh, you might ask, like, why bother with all this? Like, what's the big benefit of LLMs representing space and time? Right? So there are many benefits, but I'll highlight three, three of them here. First, it could allow LLMs to better understand and generate text about the physical world. So for example, uh, an LLM can represent space and time so it, it could generate more accurate and informative descriptions of places and events. Uh, second benefit is that it could allow LLMs to better reason about the world, the real world, right? So for example, an LLM that can represent space and time could understand how the location of a person or an object affects their actions. The third big benefit is that it could allow LLMs to be used for new applications such as navigation and planning. For example, an LLM that can represent space and time could be used to develop a navigation system that can provide personalized directions based on users' preferences. 
So to sum it up, the the team has shown that LLMs understand space and time. They also found specific parts of the model that seem particularly focused on these concepts. The interesting bit is that these models can understand and create a map of the world just by predicting the next word, given that they're big enough and have enough data. Now, again, this is a fantastic finding, but what are some of the future questions that arise out of this? Right, while they can, the models uh, can figure out where something is or when it happened, they aren't totally sure of how the model organizes or uses this understanding. Right, and the, the researchers think the model might use a sort of digital mesh that places things based on nearby reference points, sort of like a, a, a digital grid system. And as models get bigger and bigger, this grid system could become more detailed, like recognizing specific neighborhoods and cities. Uh, future studies might focus on how the model sees things in its own way, rather than trying to make it match how humans understand space and time. And uh, th there's a challenge here. So some entities in their data sets might be unknown to the model, which can mess up the tests. And uh, it would be nice to figure out if the model really recognizes something or if it's just making like a, a wild guess. So understanding how models learn is, is a critical, critical thing. And it will be nice to understand how uh, th these models pick up on, on space and time concepts. And by checking different stages of a model's training, uh, they could figure out when it starts understanding space and time. Or, or if it's a, or maybe it's a gradual process, right? And they noticed that their models sometimes struggled with spatial and temporal questions unless they did some multi-step thinking, which might be a good idea for future studies. And, uh, and looking at biology for a second, our brains have certain cells dedicated to understanding space and uh, also known as place and grid cells. Uh, these are well-researched in neuroscience. Right? The team believes that uh, looking into how our brains work can inspire future studies on these digital models. And so uh, the team, again, we are at a point where the team kind of checked and tested and verified that language models uh, understand space and time, but there's a still... There's, a, there's there's still a lot of stuff that we don't know. And, and they have ideas on how the model might understand and organize uh, these concepts. But uh, no, they also think studying our own brains can give them some hints on where to go with uh, their research. This is fascinating stuff. And space and time, it's, it's, it's so central to our understanding of the world and the universe. And it's just an amazing connection between uh, AI and large language models and the concepts of space and time. That's it for today. You can visit infinitemachinelearning.com to listen to all the episodes. Thanks again for tuning in. I'll see you next time.